Hey, I'm Mitchell Bernstein. And I'm Logan Lithic. And you're and listening to... Wait, what? You can't interrupt me when I'm doing it? <laughs> this works. We're going to keep it with this. Yeah, I thought you guys should. were going to do it together at the same time. We can try oh, that. We need to. Let's we need to. Ready? Do it again, Mitch. Do it. Hey, I'm Mitchell Bernstein. And I'm Logan Lithic. And you're listening to... The, the Undesigned, Undesigned Podcast. Podcast. We'll work on that. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. And you're listening to the 10th episode of the Undesigned Podcast. Hell yeah. Today we've got Dan Casero with us. He's one of the co-founders of the Young Jerks Creative Studio out of New York, and we're going to be focusing on building relationships with clients, the start of Young Jerks, and we might be touching up on the Garfic Design Cap. All right. Sounds good to me. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, Mitch. So today we have Dan Casero with us. He is one of the co-founders of Young Jerks. Dan, say hello to everybody. Hey guys, what's going on? Awesome. So um, essentially we brought you on here today. We wanted to talk about just kind of your story. Uh, We wanted to open it up to you and just sort of let you talk a bit about just things that you've figured out in life, different obstacles you've overcome. and really just kind of leave it up to Maybe you, Maybe we should uh, have him start out with uh, you know, a little background so people can get to know him a little more. Fuck yeah, yeah. Give, me th- give me some some questions or something. Yeah, so how'd you, uh, how'd you get started in design? Um, <clears throat> I was kind of a late bloomer uh, in terms of like figuring out a career path. Um, it was always a, a, like I was always leaning into doing something in, the, in some kind of creative field. Um, I went to school for fine arts when I uh, got out of high school and then quickly realized that maybe I wasn't um, emotionally ready to go to college <laughs> and, <laughs> and left and did like a lot of hanging out for a couple of years and uh, just sort of like worked and tried to figure some things out. And then when I was maybe 22 or 23, I sort of made the decision to go back to school uh, for graphic design, not not even like fully realizing what graphic design entailed um which is actually i feel like okay because more so now but also back then it was just kind of like this open-ended amorphous thing that kind of um was cross-pollinated by a whole bunch of other creative fields and i just felt like i had interest in so many things and this was one way to kind of capitalize on that do something creative do something artistic and hopefully pay my bills also. Um, but I, I, I really didn't know, know what it was. Um, and, you know, I went to school at SVA, uh, School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, and then eventually kind of fell in love with design and typography and illustration and all of that stuff. Do you think you would have fallen in love with all that if you didn't go to school? Um, I don't know. I kind of, you know... I think that my take on that is that people who have a certain type of mind or people that are creative could 
probably be successful or engaged in a number of things. I ended up on graphic design and I love it and it's great. Um, or whatever, my small corner of the graphic design universe. And I love it and uh, I really enjoy it. But I also feel like if I had leaned into music or photography, I think I could also be maybe equally as fulfilled or engaged and uh, hopefully as successful in that. Um, you know, uh, this is just sort of where I ended up. Um, which I like to, which is the thing that I like to say because I think that takes a lot of pressure off of people. Um, people who worry about like finding the right thing for them. I think there's a number of right things that you could do. Um, the more important thing is that you're like mentally engaged with whatever you're doing. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love it. This sounds like I'm like shit talking graphic design, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love what I do. I really do. Hell yeah. So at this point, you'd gotten your start. How far down the line was Young Jerks created? <clears throat> Young Jerks was created when I was still at school. It was actually the name of, um, uh, for my senior year, I didn't take a portfolio class or a print portfolio class. I took a motion graphics portfolio, which was like a separate career path that I did for a while. I was animating, but um, I took a motion graphics portfolio class, and then for my print portfolio, I uh, designed a yearbook with two other students, um, and we sort of decided that instead of working together uh, as a team and creating one book, we'll, we were like, oh, we'll create three separate books. So we each created, created our own book and sort of broke the student body up into three things, and we did all you know the copywriting and the naming for all um, of those uh, individual yearbooks or like the yearbook set and my yearbook was called young jerks be free tonight um and then when i was graduating i was like oh shit i need a website so youngjerks.com was available and i kind of just leaned into that ever since very cool so yeah. um when did you like did you bring on other dan then at that point did you guys already know each other or no other dan so dan has only like officially been a young jerk for maybe the past three years um but we've known each other for maybe almost a decade um we had met i think we had emailed a little bit before but we met at a design conference in cleveland whatever it was like nine years ago or something like that and then um worked together like he would hire me i would hire him for different projects and we're like oh cool this works well together but he was in salt lake and at a certain point whenever it was a couple of years ago he was like, ah, I think I'm going to, you know, he had a one year old and he was like, I think we want to get out of here and, and travel and move somewhere else. And I was like, come to New York, man, we'll start a company. And then <laughs> he, he came to New York and uh, yeah, and we just sort of partnered up. Very cool. So yeah. what was what was the process like then at the onset of that? I mean, were you guys already picking up high value clients or were you still just kind of like in that startup phase or? Um, I think I, I was sort of comfortable with where I was, but I also recognized that maybe my ideal situation wasn't to be a freelancer forever. Um, and I also knew that Dan and I had like very complimentary skill sets. Like he's a very, I mean, the, the dumb way of putting it is that like I'm the type guy and he's the illustration guy and we both have graphic design backgrounds. So we sort of take care of that stuff together. Um, but you know, the stuff that I would hire him for would be like, oh, I need to, um, you know, do this branding for this client and I can do this 
logo type and I can do, uh, you know, I can set all of these things for them, but I also need someone to draw a horse and it'll take me a real long time to draw a horse. Dan, can you draw a horse for me? And he would, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and the, the inverse of that was him, him and me and, and, and Dan, you know, he had a freelancing career, but he also had worked for many years, uh, on staff at big cartel, like the e-commerce mm -hmm. company or whatever. Um, so he had a lot of like really varied experience there. Cause he had some sort of cool amorphous title of like, art community manager or something oh, wow. there yeah and then and you know he and it was like a title that he made for himself because he started working there you know he was like one of the first few mm. employees uh there so he had like a nice um interesting exciting job there but i think it was more of like a geographic thing where he wanted to kind of branch on, out on his own so gotcha. i had like an established client base and dan also had his um you know recognition for like all of his work that he had done too when we kind of joined forces. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, just kind of going off of the clients thing, how, who would you say your coolest clients, Ben? You have any cool client stories? We got cool client stories. I think that we, we do, Dan and I do this cool thing where we have uh, the work that we make is like sort of self or our client list is like self-selecting. Like we, uh, everything that we do has a specific look that doesn't necessarily match with the type of clients that we wouldn't want to do work for, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so we have a lot of, like we were joking about the other day, we were going down our client list and the, the things that we're designing for right now are <clears throat> guitars, snowboards, uh, motorcycles, horses. <laughs> um, horses, okay. okay. Yeah, which is like, like, which one of these things doesn't belong? Weird I, fetish oh, yeah. for horses. Jeez. Yeah, yeah no, no, it was, it was kind of a joke <laughs> with us that we always like were trying to like sneak a a horse into a logo, like like we just have like we wanted to do that, and then we ended up doing the branding for, uh, or we're working on the branding now for uh, Manhattan Saddlery, which is like New York's only and oldest horse and rider <laughs> supply store. <laughs> Um, which when that like came across our desk we were like holy shit this is <laughs> meant to <laughs> be like a, a dream client um yeah but that but that list of like you know horses and uh snowboards and motorcycles and stuff sounds like uh you know something that a, a 12 year old would write out on his notebook so <laughs> um, some so yeah we have, write we have, out on my notebook yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we yeah so we have we have a lot of fun clients but i i think that our our best one is probably do sex mocking at a motorcycle and sort of lifestyle surf and uh, snowboard company um, out of Australia. And uh, they're also like one of our oldest clients. Like I, I designed a logo for them maybe seven years ago and have just been sort of working with them consistently since then. Um, and they're like the most legit uh, guys. Like you have a lot of brands that are trying to like project this easygoing um chill lifestyle vibe and then you know it's run by people that are not really like that and are using that as like a an advertising technique or something but all everyone who works there just basically loves to surf and and ride bikes and stuff like that and they're and they're cool and they 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 sort of let us do you know have free reign on the things that we're doing and do whatever we want and uh yeah yeah so, so they're probably our fave so hearing a lot of like really awesome clients really positive like collaboration with them has there ever been some 
like horrendous problem that you had with a client or just some like terrible experience you had with a client that you like learned from and you applied that that experience to improving the rest of your clients client work yeah i mean one of my first like probably one of my first five freelance clients um just didn't fucking pay me like they just didn't pay me (laughs) and that um, sucks yeah it was just like a a thing where in the most obnoxious way they were like we don't feel like the work that you did is what we wanted so we don't feel like we have to pay you and i was like you're gonna be hearing from my lawyer and they were like where they're like you we know you don't have a lawyer um, couldn't even bluff it I, yeah i was making these empty threats and stuff to them um i mean that's the only time that that that's happened i mean we've had other weird uh you know, experiences, but not, not like where people just are not going to pass. But I mean, that was a, that was a wake up call where I was like, okay, I need to start writing contracts or at least having like, you know, specific verbal agreements. Sorry. My baby maybe is waking up. I have a one-year-old, which is a new experience for me. (laughs) Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that was a big wake up call early on about like, I needed to tighten up contracts and make sure that expectations were set um which is hard to do when you're first starting out because you just want to say yes to everything and you know you get in that state of mind where you're sending estimates to people and then immediately after you send them you're like oh my gosh oh my gosh i'm just i'll do it for less i i'm sorry i sent you that much money you know like you just wanna um, i still feel like that sometimes but uh it's hard to like you know set those boundaries and expectations especially in the beginning but someone just not paying you money that yet they owe you is like a good motivator <laughs> they still haven't paid you no 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 but their their fucking store closed though so i have uh, you know yeah they were like a clothing clothing a clothing store in, in london and like you know because obviously i'm obviously still not mad about it i google them like once a year to see what's going on <laughs> and then a couple of years ago i started <laughs> and also you know the other thing that's scary to do is doing like the half upfront mm-hmm. thing, which, oh, yeah. you know, is a, the same thing. Like if you feel, when you're begin when you're starting out and you're like so timid about asking for money and you feel like so lucky to be even doing this, it's weird to be like, give me, give me 50% upfront, but it's actually a great, um, you know, litmus test for if these people are actually have trust in you and are ready to like follow this process and, trust in this process and have faith that you'll be able to deliver and sort of collaborate with you. Um, because if they are feeling all that stuff, then nothing should stop them from paying 50% upfront. Like if you hire a contractor to do something at your house, you don't like wait till they're completely done and then decide if you're going to pay them, you know, like they ask for 50% upfront. That's like standard. Um, so, so there's no reason why people should be scared to do that in the design world, you know? So, so how do you, how do you build that relationship with them if you never met them before and they're just like, Hey, we need help doing this. Uh, or, or do you reach out to them and build that relationship in that way? Or, um, I, you know, you know, <clears throat> pretty much all of our business comes from people uh, just sort of cold calling us and being like you said, like I, we need some help or it's a recommendation from a friend sometimes or another client that recommends it to one of their friends. Um, but yeah, I think there's like an initial back and forth in emails to sort of get an idea for the project or just to gather a little bit more information because some people come to you like first email with a brief and a full um, 
framework of what they're imagining and what they need and sometimes even the budget. And then you can kind of be like, oh, cool, let's hop on a phone call. But other times people are like, hey, you do logos. And then you have to, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> tease more information out of them and find out what they're looking for, what the time frame is and all that stuff. And um, usually once you get to that point where it seems like a, a feasible thing for us to bring into the studio, then we'll do a phone call. And that's like another hurdle or litmus test of figuring out um <laughs> you know if you feel like you can build a relationship with this, with this person if you can get along with them if you know they, they feel like and for them too obviously right it's like a, a, a bigger probably a bigger thing for them to figure out if they feel comfortable giving you money and realizing their vision um for them but yeah i feel like the phone call is the thing and then you know Usually the follow-up after that will be like an email talking about money if you don't talk about it on the call and then, you know, kick it off from there, build a timeline. Very cool. Dan, I have a question for you about a little passion project you guys put together, the Garfic design hat. <laughs> how was it conceived? Like, how did you start this thing and did you think it was going to blow up like it did? No, the original plan was that we only got 30 of them made first because we were going to speak at a conference or do a workshop at a conference. And we were like, oh, we got to make something to give to everyone that comes to the workshop, you know, just like a little souvenir. So I made, uh, you know, just 30 of them initially. And actually, the original plan was they, they were just going to say graphic design on them, which I still think is like a funny joke, like to set it in yeah. shitty school book, whatever <laughs> typeface. Um, but then at the last minute, we we're like, oh, let's do graphic design. And uh, <clears throat> got 30 of them printed, posted it on the internet. And then people were like, I need to have this. And I was like, sorry, it's only for our workshop attendees, like trying to drum up work or drum up workshop attendees so people would sign up for it. Um, yeah. And then just a lot of people were asking for them. So we were like, maybe we should get more of these printed. <laughs> so we got a couple hundred of them printed. And uh, oh, shit. Yeah. World's, world's dumbest hat. Um, a funny story about that is um, there's like uh, a, a, a big Facebook group called Graphic Design is My Passion, mm -hmm. where people yeah. just sort of post poorly executed yeah. design projects and everyone just, you know, rips on them in the <laughs> comments and stuff. So someone posted that as a joke and then or posted it being like, hi, this is so funny in that group. And then everyone was like, ha so funny. Where can I get one? Where can I get one? And someone told me it was on there. So I signed in and, and checked it out. And there was some fucker on there that was just like, this guy is either dumb or he just, he could make a million dollars. This guy is the dumbest guy I've ever seen. He's so stupid. He's not going to make any money of it. He deserves <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And saying all this terrible thing. So I was like, all right, motherfucker. So, you know, I ordered, <laughs> I ordered 300 of the hats or whatever. And then in the comment I posted, I was like, everyone can have one except for you, Todd. And then like posted the <laughs> link to where you could buy it. That's so, so fucking great. There was, there was a definitely like people that were asking to buy it. Like there was, um, that was part of the motivation, but the other motivation was just to like, a dick to Todd on the Facebook group. <laughs> All feud about fueled by the hatred of Todd. I hope Todd knows nice. what he's done. Yeah. He's just sitting there like I was checking in all those orders too. I was like, I better not see his name. I'm gonna cancel that order. <laughs> you just like delay his order until they're completely sold out. Yeah. Send him a send him a different hat. <laughs>
Send him one of those beanies with a propeller on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I feel like Twitter just exploded when that thing came out. And one of my friends, uh, he made it like his cover photo on Twitter and he like wrote you asking if it was okay. And you said it was and you like threw it in one of our Slack groups like dad approved. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, we have we got to make some more of those people are asking for them. But yeah, we have to figure out a we have a ton of stuff that we want to sell. But that's like a whole separate job just doing like fulfillment of, you know, uh, things that you make. So I think Dan and I got to get our shit together and maybe put up a storefront at some point. Do it, man. I have full faith that everything's just going to fucking sell out. <laughs> Mitch, you want to ask the drink question? It's time to ask, what are you drinking? I'm, I, well, I'll show you. Uh, so uh, it's, let me go and get it so you guys can see. Oh, yeah. All right, Dan, what you got for us? This is oh, shit. Fox, Fox Farm Brewery in Connecticut. They're Gray's uh, India Pale Ale. Um, I actually just picked it up last night. Uh, it's a brewery that uh, I did the branding for a bunch of years ago for um, the price of free beer for forever. So they just kind of give me beer whenever I want it, which is a huge benefit of doing the branding of a brewery. That's insane. Um, I love it. Yeah. I love the growler, too. too. Yeah, it's nice, right? I didn't even design this. I just sort of gave them the logo and stuff, and they, they're one of those clients that is like doing such a good job of using all the stuff. It's really nice. We, uh, uh, really nice guys, too. When I was in Columbus, Georgia, for uh, Creative South this year, um, mm-hmm. there were a few guys from uh, Great Britain, like Damien Kidd and Jordan Jenkins. A few guys came over, and like we were walking down the street, and like being fucking Columbus, Georgia, the little small microbrew town that it is, like they saw a growler yeah. shop. And they looked on the side and Damien was like, what the hell? He's like a growler shop. He was like, they can put that on stores. And we're like, what the hell? We're like, yeah, man, like homebrew stuff. And he's like, it's not what that means over across the pond. Yeah, I'm like embarrassed that I know this, but I've been to, I've been to Columbus, Georgia. There's a strip club there, right? So <laughs> did you guys go to the strip club while you were there? There's not a lot of stuff to do in, uh, in, when you're out creative. No, I feel uh, like I wouldn't uh, want to go to one there. <laughs> that's fair i don't we remember us going to that we, no. we didn't go but i remember it was one of the like five attractions that were available to us while we were down there <laughs> yeah it's the pretty five much attractions just... so there's only four other things to do yep the strip club and then the growler shop and you can walk across that bridge to alabama and uh Pretty much just getting drunk on the bridge is uh, yeah. in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, getting drunk on a bridge and passing out in a ditch. <laughs> that counts as two. Yeah. <laughs> Talking yeah. about wireframes. Well, what do you guys? What, what do you? Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite font? Um, what uh? What What are you guys drinking? Mitch, go. Logan, you go. Oh, you. all right. Uh, I am drinking uh, a little bit of amaretto. Bitch. Wow. Nice cordial. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Mitch over there with his fancy not, shit. I, not if you drink as much as I do. It's not like cordial. I don't think that I I don't think I, I've drank amaretto straight since I was in high school and I stole it from my parents' liquor cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my god. Uh Logan, what are you? I've got some fucking white claw. I started getting into this stuff lately. It's just kind of like 
hard seltzer. Oh, hard, hard seltzer. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's like 100 calories and it's 5%. And they come in like an eight pack. So, you know, that's a wine cooler, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Songs were all on the same page here. Yeah, man. I've I've never I've never had it though, but I do drink a lot of seltzer, so I guess I can, it's I can definitely see, yeah, my favorite. It's like I won't I won't be caught dead with like a fucking Smirnoff Ice or like a Mike's Heart or some shit like that. But like uh, when it comes to this, I can at least bullshit and be like, dude, it's a hundred calories. Like, come on, it's good for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Logan, any more questions? No, man. I think we covered it. Dan, I want to thank you again for being here. We love you. We love this dad stash you got going on. Oh, yeah. I, I just, wish... you know, I just shaved the rest of my face and got a haircut yesterday. And yeah. it's amazing. The mustache got like five times bigger when I did all that <laughs> stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea it was so big. <laughs> That's what she said. Looks good. Uh, mm. <laughs> Totally sad. I'm gonna good, have to cut. Out, I'm gonna have to cut to out so out. much of this podcast. <laughs> it's too crude for for, for Apple. I'm is it, is it too crude? Is it? Are you allowed to post all this stuff on uh, uh, Apple with? Like, uh, if I say "fuck shit cock balls," like, does that have to go? <laughs> We're keeping that. Uh, the half the podcast is just gonna be a long beep. It's like a Samuel L. Jackson movie, but like on TBS. Basically. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly yeah but thank you so much for for doing this i yeah, know guys. it was a little bit out of your way but yeah it's thanks, awesome Dan. no sweat guys my pleasure 